Hello. Join me for story time with Big Beefin. I'd like for you to take a moment and transport back in time to May of 2004. At the time, I was finishing up my spring semester at local community college, getting ready to go to the big leagues, to go into the big town of Arlington, home of the home where the Cowboys play and the Rangers play, UTA, the Fighting Mavericks. No, they, they don't have a football team. But that May, I was working at a uh, large retailer in, in near my hometown, um, not far away in, in, the, in the city. Been working there for about a year. It's my second time back at that job, which that's a tell for another day. But I'd been working there, and we had been talking to a bunch of friends that we all wanted to get together and play a game of dodgeball. Well, dodgeball is a little bit harder to plan out than you think. First of all, you got to have a gym to play it in, to play it right. You got to have a gym with a good, solid floor to run on. Uh, and you got to have a bunch of balls, which uh, none of us had any of those things. And, and dodgeballs are the best balls, and we didn't have any. So it morphed into paintball. And it just so happens that not far away from the city of Corsicana and the, and the township of Ennis, Texas, uh, there was a person that opened up a paintball field in his backyard they had a they had a lot of land several acres and they took a good two or three acres of land and made it into a paintball park now this wasn't a high-end professional paintball park like you would think where there's a shed full of markers and paintballs and you know lots of people there showing up and nets and barrels and no it was it was pretty much um a family's hobby. They they may have been on the cusp of making it into a business and they had went to the dump and gotten some debris to put out in their field, but they hadn't quite gotten to the, um, to the level of a, a professional paintball field. Needless to say, we, we all found this location. We decided that the fellow coworkers there at the, uh, local, uh, local, uh, Walmart there would, would all team up and I'd take my girlfriend and me and about 15 other people will all ride into right out there and play a good game of paintball. And so we did. And there's a video footage of this, of this paintball event, um, somewhere on Mr. Black's, uh, infamous VHS tape of our, um, excursions there while we were living at the junction. Uh, but I digress that that tape may be lost to the ages. We may never see it again, but it, it does exist. So there is an actual recording of this event. After the uh, the game was over, we decided that it was time to, to cut loose a little bit. Just so happened that the day that this game was planned was on Cinco de Mayo. Um, you know, pretty pretty well renowned holiday that we celebrate here in the states, fifth uh, of May. Um, not really in the grand scheme of things the most important day of of uh, Latin American or Hispanic culture, but that's the one we picked. My college professor said that it always sounded that, that Cinco de Mayo was a big deal just because of how it sounded. He said Dieta de Seis de Septiembre would be the better holiday because it was more significant, but Cinco de Mayo kind of rolls off the tongue. And he's right. Who doesn't like to say Cinco de Mayo? Anyway, so it's Cinco de Mayo, and we finished a game of paintball, a rowdy game of paintball, lots of fun, lots of stories, moments of courage, moments of. Uh, uh, absolute cowardice and running away and fleeing and crying and well thought out plans just blown to shit uh, overall though a good time was had by all 
So now we're back at my, my famous uh, college apartment, uh, a place where many magical memories happened. Uh, I, I was, you know, uh, 19 at the time, and, you know, this was my first apartment. I had my roommate, Mr. Black, and uh, Uncle Jay would occasionally be there with us. So after the paintball game, we all decided that it was time to uh, celebrate the Cinco de Mayo holiday. And the way we celebrated that was buying a lot of alcohol. And so we proceeded drinking. And at this point in time, um, I was, it's pretty regular for me to, at these celebrations, to consume alcohol to the point where I blacked out and didn't realize what happened. It happened quite a few times. And, and they, they'll tell you that if you drink to the point when you black out, you might have a problem with alcohol. That's just what they say. I, I don't think that's true because clearly I, I'm not a drunkard these days, but uh, back then it was pretty common for me to uh, to check out. In any case, we begin the festivities, we begin drinking, and uh, it just so happened that my good buddy, uh, co-host to the Big Beef and Show, JP, uh, was there on the premises, um, and he had gotten a hold of a bottle of a, of a magical elixir named Goldslogger. And supposedly it, it's got traces of gold in it. So you're actually consuming gold. Um, it being Cinco de Mayo, uh, poor Mr. Mr. JP was, uh, was coerced into consuming, uh, pretty much damn near the whole bottle of Goldschlager. I mean, pretty much the whole, the whole thing. Um, so needless to say, he got lit pretty quickly. Now my dumb ass is out in the parking lot uh, I got thrown off the back of, of, of Eddie's, uh, Eddie's truck, and so I'd hurt my wrist. And it was my own doing. They, they told me that they were ready to go home. They were going to go hit up the back roads and just kind of hang out. And I insisted that they stay and that the party wasn't over, but they assured me that it, it quite was. So as I'm laying in the concrete, contemplating life and, and solving the mysteries of the universe, I hear my presence is warranted from inside the residence immediately. So I stumbled and realized that something was going on inside and I ran in as fast as I could. And there laying on the couch moaning and groaning in pain is my best friend, my one day uh, best man at his wedding. He's the best man at mine. There he is laying on the couch, uh, obviously in pain. Uh, clearly somebody that I'd only been seen hurt a couple times before, once in football, a few years prior to that, uh, where he injured his knee and, and ended his football career prematurely, and then uh, when he uh, when he got ran over by a car as, as a child, and uh, I didn't actually see that event; I just saw the aftermath when he when he missed several weeks of school and and, and came back, and everybody felt really bad for him because we'd never seen anybody hurt that seriously. Again, a story for another day. But there he is, my best friend, laying on the couch, and when I was told that, you know, Shane. That, there might be something wrong with him. And I said, no, he's fine. Just leave him alone. And uh, we continued our celebrations as he continued to be in agony. And then um, and then he, he kind of went over to our table and uh, he decided that everything that he had consumed needed to be released um, from within. And in other words, he, he threw up, he puked. He vomited all over, all over my table all over the table that wasn't really mine. We'd gotten it from somebody. I don't know whose table it was, but it, it wasn't mine. I didn't own it. It was a loner. I had, I had a lot of loner. A lot of furniture in that house was loners, either either given to me or found at a, a nearby dumpster. 
Uh, nevertheless, uh, so at this point, there is there is vomit on my table, which normally vomit at a party is not not a deal breaker. But at this one, uh, when John threw up, there happened to be blood in the vomit. So we were we were a little freaked out by this. Um, and, and there looked like things that didn't look like it was a piece of meat. It didn't look like it was something he had eaten. It looked like organ tissue. So we were quite concerned. Um, so I, I decided then and there that, that John would have to perform, JP would have to perform a test for me. I would need him to... Um, raise his hand in the air if he needed assistance. So I was going to hold his hand up and if he needed help, he would raise it and then, and then we would help him. So uh, I hold his hand and immediately the hand goes into a trash can because we, we put a trash can beside him after he hurled because we were, we didn't want to make a mess on the carpet. Like the table was pretty much fucked, but we didn't, we didn't want the carpet to be messed up. And, um, he, he, you know, hand went straight into the dust, the, the trash can and everybody's like, look, Shaney, he can't even respond to you. And I said, you know, John, I need to know right now. Are you okay? If you're not okay, just raise your hand, man. Just raise your hand. And his hand shot up in the air. And like a scene from a, a bad 2000s comedy teenage movie, uh, I picked John up like I was taking him to my bed on our on our wedding, uh, wedding honeymoon night. And I ran with his ass all the way out to my 1988... Delta 98 Oldsmobile Royale threw him in the back seat and uh, no, threw him in the front seat, the passenger side. I was clearly far too intoxicated to drive. Uh, There's no way in hell I needed to be driving. But my good buddy Josh, who was also intoxicated, was in the right uh, state of mind to drive. So he he operated the vehicle. We left uh, out of that apartment as fast as that Oldsmobile had ever been driven before in its entire run that I had it. And I'd never seen it fishtail. I'd never spun out. We did all those things within the first uh, five minutes of operation of the vehicle. My good buddy Josh just so happened to be Catholic. And by chance, so was was JP. So uh, Josh starts performing the last rites on John because it's not looking good. And we're extremely intoxicated and we're terrified that he's about to die. So we uh, peel into the emergency room of the local hospital. And when I mean peel in, I mean we swerved into the fucking ER emergency room side, uh, blaring the fucking horns, flash your lights on. I jump out the car again, Princess Bride fucking John in my arms, run up to the emergency room. My friend needs help. Please help him. Please, he needs help. Please now. Out comes the stretcher. The nurses are like, okay, calm down. Stop yelling. And I'm like, please help him. Please. And, uh, you know, what's going on? What happened? Uh, I said, well, he's drunk. And um, they were like, well, 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 first of all, remember at the beginning of this, I said we were 19. Uh Uh-oh. So how much did he have to drink? A lot. He had a lot. And he's something's wrong. I don't know personally what happened to John uh, JP next uh, my ass went over to the waiting room but from what I was told uh, the local nursing staff attempted to insert a catheter into John and uh, apparently he fought them back because he didn't want his uh, he didn't want his PP uh, touched he wasn't he wasn't feeling that um, I think they ultimately got him treated one way or another I think they had to pump his stomach um, anyways he, he was getting admitted he gets a free night in the hospital 
Now, I'm on the other side in the waiting room, uh, fucking panicking. My friend uh, Josh is there. Another guy who wasn't even involved in the festivities shows up uh, named Chris. Chris was was Red's best friend. And we're sitting there talking about what do we do now? And Red's, you know, Chris is like, well, you're going to have to call somebody to let them know. And I'm like, well, who do I call? And he said, you got to call his mom. And I'm like, why would I do that? He's a grown man. He's made his choices. And Chris said, look, if you don't call his mom and you guys just stay here, I'll understand that and I'll accept it. But if you call his mom and let her know what's going on, I'll have all the respect in the world for you. I'll, I'll respect you as a man. So fuck. So I go over to the goddamn pay phone in the hospital because um, my cell phone only uh, wasn't in service at the time, but I had I had the contacts. Um, I had contacts saved in there. Anyways, uh, made the phone call to Rachel, John's mom, and I said, Rachel, my name's Shane. I'm at the Corsicana Hospital. John's sick. He's being admitted. Hang up the phone. She said, you know, she said, I'm on my way. Shows up. Stone face, man. Not fucking, uh, and I'm fucking nervous as shit. Like, I'm like, God damn it. I killed her baby boy. I'm fucking, I fucking killed my best friend. I'm going to prison. This is it. This is the end. Um, she shows up and she's not very happy about the situation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm like a big old baby. I'm crying. Rachel, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I just didn't know. Um, you know, doing the whole like, you know, cause I'm drunk as fuck too. And I, I, my emotions can, can sway to anger, to, uh, extreme elation, to, uh, deep sorrow. We're in the sorrow stage at this point. Um, she goes in, checks on things, tells me he's going to be admitted, um, proceeds to tell, call me a, a dumbass, and um, which, you know, rightfully so, but at the same time, she said, you know, you did the right thing um, by bringing him here, and that, for that, I thank you. And uh, we left. That morning, I had a paper due for uh, literature at my community college, and I typed... I typed that paper when I got home. I typed the rest of that paper because I hadn't finished it. Um, at this point, we're talking 3 a.m. in the morning. My class is at eight, as at nine, so I've got to be up at 8:30. So I got a few hours of sleep after I typed that paper, and I looked at what I wrote, and it didn't make any fucking sense. I started the paper as whatever the book was we're reading, and then halfway into it, John, I'm so sorry, I ruined your life. I'll never do this again. I'm a terrible friend. And then it just started trailing off into words that didn't make any sense and a lot of vowels and consonants and, and um, strange patterns and orders. So nevertheless, I was pretty much fucked on that paper. Um, go to school, fucking worried as hell. Show up to the hospital. Daniel's there. Andrew's there. Daniel's uh, like, fuck, I want to say there's something to do with a cat in this story. Something about Daniel and a fucking cat. I don't know the details. He might have to fill that in. But Daniel's there, and he's like, yeah, boy, they, they, they letting him out. He's going home. He's okay. He's fine. He's just being a big bitch or whatever, something like that. Uh, back at work, uh, I was given the cold shoulder by a lot of people because John JP was well-beloved amongst his uh, coworkers, and I was the white devil who poisoned him. So um, took me a little while to shake that reputation. Um, 
We found out that John had done some organ damage, that he had drank so much, he'd consumed so much uh, Goldschlager. Uh, it took a little bit to get the desk fully cleaned, not because it was hard to clean. It's just nobody really wanted to do it. And uh, as, as Jake has mentioned, he, he came by there one day to eat a bowl of cereal or came by there to, to check on us and noticed that I was eating at the table and the uh, leftover vomit was dried up sitting right by me and I had, had not yet cleaned it yet. At the time, I was, I was concerned about cleaning it because it wasn't my bodily fluid and um, I, I kind of wanted John to do it. But uh, it ended up being me because the girlfriend I was with uh, got tired of that shit. So anyways, that is the story of Cinco de Mayo. And, um, you know, the moral to that story is YOLO.